You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. If you would, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3, and we will be looking at the Word together over a story that many of you are very familiar with. Uh, We are going to be talking today about hope, and that's what's going to be on our agenda for quite some time as we work together to be a part of a community even when we can't be face-to-face the way we prefer to be. So I want us to talk this morning about hope in the sense of how Jesus dispels the darkness that surrounds us. And this is something that we deal with all throughout our lives, not just in seasons like this where we might be cramped up in our homes wondering how long it's going to go on for, But the question that I have for us as we think about how Jesus actually does dispel the darkness that surrounds us is do we actually struggle to believe that God can save us from this affliction now or any point that we go through an affliction or a difficult time? Do we put our hope in something like Fox News as we tune in religiously or do we put our hope in our government? Do we put our hope in the CDC or do we put more hope in vaccines or chemical cleaners than we do in Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong, I know we need to to be concerned about our health. We should be doing all these things to stay uh, as as virus-free as possible, to stay away from folks, social distancing, try to do our best to make sure we care for other people. But I just wonder if we truly lived out a belief as much in Jesus as we do in hand sanitizer, how much would it change our lives and the way we live every single day? You know, some of us are being swayed regularly, tossed to and fro by the emotional roller coaster of social media, of the news broadcast, of the daily news briefings from the White House. But we serve a God who never changes. And this morning, I want to remind you of that in the scriptures. He has always been and will always be the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And he is all-powerful over sickness, disease, death, and the fires of hell. But oh, how quick we get off track when faced with a tumultuous time such as this. Today, I want to bring you a message of hope. Today, I bring a message of hope as we see how Jesus dispels the darkness that surrounds us. Let's go back a long time ago and look at a part of life for the, the body of Israel when they were in the Babylonian captivity about 600 years before Jesus And Daniel and three other guys that we are aware of by name at least, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have been chosen as leaders even in this foreign land because of how God had blessed them to serve the king there. And so we pick it up in chapter 3. It's been about 18 years since the king had said great things about their God because of what they were able to do. And we see that King Nebuchadnezzar starts off and makes a few changes to saying he would always attribute glory to that God. And now in verse 1 of chapter 3, we see things have changed just a few years later. Look with me in chapter 3 of Daniel. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits, which means about 90 feet tall and about 6 to 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The king Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples had heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, verse 8, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Exile and affliction are not new. We have been dealing with this ever since our first ancestors rebelled against God and were cast out of presence with him. These are not new, and they are certainly not greater than the hope that we have in the sovereign God in whom we trust. Exile and affliction began when our ancestors rebelled against God in the garden, and the world is spinning in circles, and the exiles and afflictions of this world are doing the same. Our technological abilities have increased, but our struggles are the same as many other generations that have come before us. I don't think we realize that these things have been going on for decades and centuries and eons, that people would get sick and many would die. People would be fearful of those things. People would be fearful of being taken captive and exiled, like say in Babylon, or people would be in places they didn't want to be, or they'd be stuck in a place that they did not want to be, that did not feel like home, did not feel like normal. And we have suffered through much worse than that as peoples across the world have gone through much harsher afflictions than even we see today. But I just want us to be reminded that although we feel exiled, as though we feel like we are quarantined, these are not new. And it's certainly not greater than the hope we have in the sovereign God in whom we trust. Look at verse 15 through 18. Again, I repeat verse 15. It's so important. 
He says, now if you're ready when you hear the sound of all these different things to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? What a great question he asked, thinking that nobody could do this. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, if you're going to do this, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Brothers and sisters, we see it right here in the text. In this particular situation, we see it as those of us who are exiles in a foreign land who have our hope in Christ that have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, redeemed, made new. We have now been brought into a faith family. And the Bible says that we are exiles in a foreign land now as we traverse this place waiting for our older brother Jesus to come back and take us home with him, that we are exiles, that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that although we act as good citizens in the land in which we're exiled, this is not our home. And God, in the midst of this affliction, in the midst of any affliction in our lives, in the midst of any struggle in our lives, he is sovereign and able to deliver us from the fiery furnace of that exile and affliction. He created the universe by speaking words and bringing things into being. He is all powerful. Nothing can change his plans. No one can overcome his will. He alone is God. And no matter how great the darkness that surrounds us, he is greater. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is greater. We are no longer surrounded by darkness, even though it may feel dark at times. We are not that way as those who have been brought into the family of God. We are surrounded with the light of Christ by the spirit that lives within us. And let us be reminded, look at verse 17 and 18 again. If this be so, if you're going to throw us in the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Listen to these words. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Church, God can deliver us. He is able to deliver us from any affliction, through any struggle. But if he doesn't, we will serve and worship him alone. For what else can we do? He has proven himself to be sovereign over Satan, sin, death, hell. And by sending his one and only son to live a life of perfection that we cannot live and to die the death that we deserve for our rebellion and sin against him so that we can enjoy his resurrection with him forever in his midst, in his family, always together. Who else can we trust like our Savior? Where else can we place our hope when everything else around us can change in a moment, when things can disappear in a moment, when everything in our lives can be turned upside down in a moment? He alone is our hope, and he cannot fail us because he's already secured our salvation in Jesus on the cross. So there is no lost hope for us. There is no despair that goes beyond our ability to handle it in Christ because he has overcome all those things already on the cross. 
So even if we succumb to a virus, even if we succumb to any other affliction or cancer or disease or struggle or heartache or depression, he has promised and already supplied the way to fruitfulness and forgiveness and to joy and to everlasting joy in his presence. Even if for now we stand in darkness. Just as we see in John 11, Jesus says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he says, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, he says, shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked this woman. I ask you, brothers and sisters, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Look, just as Jesus saves these three friends from burning in the furnace of fire, so Jesus saves God's people from burning in the eternal furnace of fire because of what he's done for us in his glorious death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Look, let's see what happens in Daniel three nineteen and on. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury at what they said, and the expression of his face was changed. That's to demonstrate how upset and mad he was. He was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, which means heated as hot as you can possibly get it. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. You've got to imagine, this is like some, probably like what we might see back where I lived before coming here, a, a dome where they kept salt, right? Or maybe you might think of a nuclear plant where they had this like huge kind of furnace looking thing where they would have a big top maybe next to a hill and they would feed that fire from the top and then in the bottom they have a place they'd pull bricks out of that furnace and he's got it heated as high as it possibly can go and when he gets his best biggest soldiers to throw these guys into the fire immediately immediately it totally engulfs them and takes away their lives the ones who throw them in and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the mix thrown into the fire And we see these crazy things that happen. Look at this. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And we saw that he was totally upset. He bound them, he threw them in the fire. And we see in verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered them in verse 25, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. A son of the gods. Look. They're thrown into the fire. 
The people that threw them in are destroyed instantly. They're burned alive instantly. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not hurt. They're walking in the furnace. And when the king looks in, he sees a fourth with him who looks like a son of a god. Some translations say an angel, like an angel of the Lord, like a theophany, a Christophany. We see here that these three men thrown in are walking around in this fire, and their bonds are loose. They're not tied up any longer. Brothers and sisters... Sometimes God uses the fires of affliction to loosen our bonds and to refine us as those whom he has called and he wants to shape into the perfect us he created us to be. Have you been placing your hope and joy in things? Maybe in our government, maybe in your career that might now be on hold. Have you been placing your hope maybe in the the chance to go to a fast food restaurant? or in the financial stability that many people do not have right now? As crazy as it sounds, when times like this of affliction come, God uses these times to show us that he alone is our sure and steady hope. Listen, nothing else in this life is certain but death. Nothing. We know that nothing we have right now might be ours tomorrow. We have no assurance of that. The only thing we know is death is coming for us. Whether it comes from a virus, whether it comes from a car accident, whether it comes from heart disease, whether it comes from falling asleep at 95 years old and not waking up, death is coming. But I promise you something greater and more glorious than death can be yours today. Eternal salvation in Christ Jesus can be certain for you if you put your hope in Jesus today. He says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means he has provided the way already if you turn from living apart from him and turn towards him in relationship. You can be with God forever. And yes, you may close your eyes in death, but you will take your next breath immediately in the presence of the Father. Totally with him, without worry of eternal death. And if death has been defeated for us in Christ Jesus on the cross, then what do we have to fear, brothers and sisters? This is a message of hope. There is nothing for us to fear. Yes, we don't want to see people struggle. Yes, we don't want to see our loved ones suffer. But we have nothing to ultimately fear. And he says that those afflictions that seem great right now will be like nothing compared to the eternal glory of his presence, in his presence. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed, when he comes back. Or earlier in the letter that Peter writes, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in this, he says, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't minimize the struggle. It doesn't minimize the frustration. It doesn't minimize the issues we're going through. What it's saying is that in comparison to our being in his presence forever, when we look back at that point in time, we'll say, man, it felt so big, but compared to the greatness of God and being in his presence forever, it will seem like it was a blip on the radar. 
So there is hope even in the midst of difficult suffering. Not to minimize the suffering because God doesn't minimize it. He hates disease and suffering and death so much that he sent his only son to come and live the perfect life we could not live, to die the death we deserve so that he could overcome those things for us. So that we no longer have to worry about Satan, sin, death, or hell. We've been, it's all been wiped away from us in the blood of Christ, sacrificed for us on the cross. We never have to worry, but sometimes he uses these things to shape us and change us because he loves you exactly as you are, but he loves you too much to keep you there. Lord, would you use us in this time? Shape us in this time so that our hearts might be tuned to you, that our eyes might be drawn to the cross, that the things that maybe have overwhelmed us and overcame us would be taken away. Look at verse 24 and 25 again. The king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Listen, brothers and sisters, no matter what we endure, no matter what we walk through, no matter the length of that time, If you have placed your hope and faith in Jesus, if you have repented and believed in the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, if you have put your hope in him, God is with us always, even in the midst of our afflictions and exile. What these three guys were saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were saying, listen, yes, you can throw us in the fire. Our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, We'd rather be with him because he is greater than what we would go through to get to him through death. We would rather be with him because he is worth it, because he is worthy. When we place our hope solely in Jesus, especially in times such as these, we will walk without care and concern like these three friends were walking in the fire. They weren't jumping around. They weren't feeling the heat. They were grounded because they were centered around the presence of God in their midst. And we have God in our midst if our hope is in Christ. He lives in us. We have nothing to fear. We have the king of the universe in our presence right now, in your homes right now, in this place right now, connecting us all together even when we can't be face to face, carrying us through even when we feel alone, walking us through the darkness when he sees everything. Let us trust in him. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. He's talking in the grand scheme of things. You will not be consumed by this thing. You will not be consumed by whatever you're enduring. Because if you are in Christ, greater is he within you than is he that's in the world. Matthew 1.23, a stark reminder, even at the coming of the Christ as a child, a newborn infant, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us 
Always. He is present with you now. You are never alone. The one true God who is sovereign over all things lives in our midst. And you have nothing to fear, brothers and sisters. So we can give up our worries. We can give up our fears. We can give up our anxieties and trust in the Lord. Because he has given up his one and only son to save us. So let us give it up. Let us not worry anymore. Let us not stress anymore. I know I say that and you go, how do I even do that? All I'm telling you is fix your eyes on the cross. Ask the Lord to feel your heart. Pray out loud to him and say, Lord, give me now. Fill me with the love that you have shown in Jesus on the cross. Show me that love in a way that you press it into my heart. Make it real to me so that then I can be overwhelmed with that. And when he fills you with that, in those moments, he can press out the anxiety. He can press out the fear as his love invades every bit of your heart and your mind. And he will do that for you because he does not want to hide his love. He's demonstrated it for us in Jesus. And lastly, I want us to know that God uses times like these even to bring others into his faith family through us, to give hope to the hopeless in Jesus. Look at this, Daniel 3, 26 through 30. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Look, you already said servants of the Most High, right? And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. The cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And he goes on and makes a decree that no one should speak bad about that God. Look, God uses times like these to bring others into his faith family through us. To give hope to the hopeless in Jesus. When those around us see our sure hope in Jesus, even in times like this, they will, like Nebuchadnezzar, eventually answer and say, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all the glory will be his because he alone deserves it. Let us live in such a way that we put our hope there. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about our struggles. It means, yes, I'm struggling. Yes, I'm suffering. Yes, this is hard. It's overwhelming. But it is not the end because I have a Savior who has secured my end. There is no more concern about where I will be or about how I will end up because I know that eventually I'll end up with him. And so while I struggle, while I sometimes stress, I can go to the Lord and be filled with his love. Philippians 1, 18 through 21 says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice, Paul says. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation, Paul says, and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. May it be our prayer. Don't you think it's ridiculously amazing that God spent weeks preparing us for how to pray before this came upon us as we studied through how Jesus taught us how to pray in Scripture? Don't you think God has been 
providentially preparing us for this moment by thinking outside of ourselves so that we can impact our communities and our neighborhoods. Now we have opportunities to do these things. Now we know how to pray in right ways for them and not just think of self or just think about the little things that we always think about or the big things that consume us, but we can think in a more holistic way as we pray and praise him for who he is. Ask him to do his will. Make much of him and just ask for what we need. Praise be to the God of Abraham because he gives us what we need. Because he ultimately gave us Jesus and that's all we need in the end. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus. And if you have that in him, you have all you need. So praise be to the sovereign God of the universe who loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son so that we might be with him forever. And so that men like Paul could say, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, he says. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as Jesus commands in Matthew 10, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. When the darkness overwhelms you and he tells you, listen, I'm with you, say it in the light to others. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. It may be the only way we can communicate with our neighbors right now. Proclaim it from the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body. And don't fear viruses that kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let us, church, proclaim the glory of God in his salvation through Jesus, especially in times such as these. For he is worthy. Let us tell everyone how Jesus dispels the darkness that surrounds us because he loves us and gave up his life for us so that we can be a part of his family forever. For in Christ alone, our hope is found. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Let us find our hope in him, brothers and sisters, for he is all we have. He is the only surety we can see in this time or any other. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Father, we need you today. We need you to not only remind us, but to imprint and impress upon us the person and work of your son, Jesus. Fill us with the love that you have already shown us in sending Christ Jesus to the cross in our place. Fill us with the love that you have demonstrated by overwhelmingly saving us out of our sinful rebellion against you when we did not deserve it. Remind us by filling us with love for others the way that you love them. Change our hearts towards those that sometimes are difficult. Change our hearts toward those that we may not even know that live around us. Give us a desire to make much of you in the presence of them so that we might know you and worship you and bring others to come be a part of your family with us now and as we gather in the future for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.